Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning and welcome to Out of the Blue on Sunday 12th of June 2016. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am on the, uh, sorry, 8.55am on your dial and um, we've got a uh, an interesting show lined up today. Uh, sorry, I should have said then that uh, it's www.3cr.org.au if you're wanting to stream us live. Um, also, what we've got uh, today, the weather. Interesting uh, weather conditions uh, out there today. Be careful as always, but we've got some light winds, which is advantageous. Um, we had a tragic week, it's got to be said, in Melbourne. Uh, over at Mornington, unfortunately, we had two scuba divers that died during the week. Uh, so please, when you're out there, take care. Light winds from the northeast and a top of about 15 degrees is what we're gunning for today. Okay, in the studio today, I'm joined by Tim Kermy from Native Fish Australia. Good morning, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Uh, sorry, mate, I just had a problem with your mic. No, there. no. <laughs> okay. Morning, yeah. Yes. Uh, how you been, Tim? All right? Oh, very well. Very busy at the moment. Sort of lots of fishy stuff going on. So. Ah, terrific. Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll jump straight into it after this community announcement. 
Dum da 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 dum da 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 boom 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 boom. Hi, I'm Rod Quantock, and you're listening to fill in the dots. You know who you're listening to. Why do I have to tell you who you're listening to? You know who you're listening to. You're listening to yes, fill in the. 3CR Community Radio, you got it right, you've won a giraffe. Uh, we're at 855am, we're on digital radio and streaming at 3cr.org.au. 3CR has been making trouble since 1976 and occasionally I've been part of the trouble that's been made. It's a vital part of our uh, media landscape and I'd encourage you to get a hacksaw, an oxyacetylene torch and go up to the Dandenongs and, and bring down all those broadcast towers that aren't 3CR's towers and let's make 3CR the only source of information to an information-starved, dumbed-down Australian community. Written, authorised and spoken by Neil Mitchell. Yes, he's an absolute national treasure, that Rod Quantock, I tell you what. OK, you're uh, listening to Out of the Blue, 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. And uh, for the benefit of our listeners, Tim Kermy from Native Fish Australia came on, um, it was probably about a year ago now. Oh, uh, if, something like that, if yeah. that, yeah. And uh, he was talking about uh, the whole situation regarding Native Fish Australia. Tim, can you just give our listeners a bit of an outline of who NFA are and sure. what they do? What we are is we're a volunteer group set up in the early 80s, all volunteers, basically trying to promote native fish, native fish and the environments they live in. So we're really keen to promote particularly endangered native fish like Macquarie perch that has quad populations in the Yarra, another endangered native fish called trout cod, which is very close to a Murray cod, which is was pretty well gone in the early 80s. It was found and bred at some government hatcheries and through our hatcheries and is now doing really well. Also try and promote native fish for people to keep in aquaria or to breed and to get back into the environment where they belong. Excellent. Very good. And that was one of the things that really sort of stood out, um, having uh, taken up out of membership to NFA myself. Um, I'm not a very keen fisherman or anything, but I'd just like to get a feel for what's going on oh. out there. And uh, one of the things that really stands out is what you just hinted at, that you don't only look at the native fish, but you also consider the habitats that they live in and the environment that they're actually in. We think it's probably habitat is much more important than the fish themselves, if that makes sense. If you don't have good habitat for fish to live in, you won't have any fish. Absolutely. Um, getting back to that, we're, we're more of a conservation group than a fishing group. We certainly, angling isn't one of our things that we do as a group as such. We're more into habitat, getting fish back, breeding fish, getting fish known again, native fish that were once widespread and now gone. So ang we've mainly, our membership is made up predominantly of anglers but I'm more interested in just going and catching and killing fish. more interested in promoting native fish. Terrific. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. excellent, excellent. Mm. So there's been quite a few, uh, quite a few developments in the uh, in the field in the in the native fish uh, sphere. I guess you could say. Oh, absolutely. There's been while. a few quite interesting developments. One interesting one that I might talk about first is we've actually got a member down at Cobden in north or southwest Victoria is actually breeding blackfish. Oh, right. I think it's one of the first times that it's been commercial or done on any extreme i think he's bred something like three or four hundred this year which is unheard of wow and we're really keen to try and promote him to get blackfish back into some of the areas where they're they're gone yep they're a real iconic native fish grow huge to 10 pound or more in their natural environment down in the otways in particular and through a number of reasons they're pretty well gone from their natural environment through probably uh, altered flow regimes through taking habitat out of streams from putting alien fish like trout and redfin into streams. Um, now we're pretty keen. If we do a survey, we've done quite a few surveys of the of late of blackfish, 
and we're effectively finding lots of big fish and no little fish. So it's a real problem for the populations into the future. There you go. Right. Yeah. It's always right. been one that's got a lot of interest, hasn't it, blackfish? The oh. number of people that have approached us at Melbourne Polytechnic's mm. aquaculture program been asking about all these uh, all these different, mm. um, you know, river blackfish. Can we get some uh, stocking done? Can we get some mm. breeding done? All that. So it's always been one that's been in the background. So it's great to hear someone's actually we're got We're really keen. And, and the CMA down the um, west... Victoria is really keen as well. It's just there's a lot of um, paperwork and thing hoops you've got to run through when you're breeding native fish to make sure that the genetics is right, that they're okay, there's no disease issues, and you're effectively putting the fish back in where they came from. Yep. It's no good getting a blackfish from Gippsland and then putting it down into or putting it up into the coastal areas of New South Wales or something because it's not the right fish. Yes. So we have to be really careful to make sure we do it all right. Yes, yeah, that's a that very big consideration, isn't it? From uh, mm. I know Fisheries Victoria, we had a similar situation, uh, Melbourne Polytechnic back when we were in MIT or the Melbourne mm. Institute of TAFE. We had a number of, it was a really strange situation um, and uh, we had our recirculating system, a tank of silver perch, which were probably the best survivors that we've ever had in the mm. system, 99% survivability, the odd jumper out of the tank mm. and the odd more mortality that was incidental but the black the uh it wasn't blackfish sorry it was uh australian bass that were in the tank right next door to them they were all sharing the same water and everything something that we were doing was wrong for those particular bass right. so they started getting these lesions on their sides Oof. we probably lost about 20 to 30 percent of the fish and we thought well keeping these poor guys in captivity now is at the at the mm. point where it's quite cruel and we don't want to keep doing this so let's make the best of a bad situation we'll cull the sickies and then we'll get the the healthy ones and we'll look at doing a restocking program but unfortunately and this was um, uh, fisheries stepped in and we said, well, this is what we're proposing. And they turned around and said, well, can you vouch for the genetic uh, integrity of your stocks? Where'd they come from? All this sort of stuff. And we found out that there was a bit of a gap in the knowledge there. Ah, uh, so right. we, uh, they turned around and said, well, we can't let you guys go ahead with that. So we just had to accept the umpire's decision on that. And they went up for a, for a private sale and they're much happier <laughs> ever mm. since and grew quite beautifully and all that in a, uh, in a different uh, environment. I think yeah. it was uh, a pond or a, a lake or something from right. memory that... Uh, Someone had on a private, not a lake, a, it was like a pond or a dam yeah. or something on a property. So, yeah, it's one of those things that um, is certainly at the forefront of people's minds when they look at, uh, yeah, the genetic integrity of the, uh, the fish stocks. And it's interesting. Stuff. I think fisheries, often I have quite a lot to do with fisheries, use the rules to suit them a lot of the time. If they don't want you to do something, they're really good at making it harder for you to do it. Right. Even though probably at the end of the day... There's a lot of benefits of putting some native fish back into areas where they probably were anyway in the genetics, especially if it's a really endangered fish that we really need to save. Yep. Sometimes we need to sort of, not ignore is not the right word, but try and for the betterment of the fish populations. Yeah. Yeah. A good example of that is um, Macquarie perch out of the Yarra. Oh, yeah. Yep. They've come, they were stocked there. They're not a, an indigenous fish to the Yarra. They originally came from the Murray-Darling and they were huge numbers, but they were pretty well gone. They were stocked in there from the 1850s and they're a really good genetic population because they're made up of fish from lots of different populations. So they're really robust and it's been determined by a couple of guys from Monash University that their their genetics would be suited to go anywhere. So right. it's sort of we've turned the corner a little bit about saying genetics is sometimes stopping fish from being stocked. It's often 
So it's quite interesting how yes. the, the whole develop, how it's developing over the years, I suppose. This is true. And I remember uh, Professor Tony Underwood, who I think is at the University of Sydney, has mm. been for a number of years, one of Australia's most decorated marine ecologists. Um, I remember him uh, a while ago coming out and saying, well, you know, you've got to be careful if you are restocking an area. Remember that if you're putting one or 200 or two, one or 2,000 fish into a region, it doesn't mean they're suddenly going to take over the world. Mm. Um, I guess the counter to that is looking at things like the European or the um, European Cup. Cup. Yes, that's, that's, yeah. We should talk about that in a minute as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know what we had there was a situation where they uh, they were introduced into a into a system or escaped, and they were the uh, go getter aquaculture stocks. So they were the real deal fish, mm-hmm. and they absolutely colonised, and and the rest is history, of course. Mm. Um, so it does depend. But of course, if you're looking at a native, then uh, as to whether the Australian bass that we were looking at putting into the system would have taken over the world, uh, no, it's probably they'd be unlikely to breed anyway. And they need to go to the estuary to breed, and it's often the case that they, anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, shall we talk about carp for a minute? Yes, we can go. Carp's a really interesting thing at the moment. Most people or may have heard that there's a virus around now that called the koi herpes virus, which can actually be used to control carp really well. It's a similar virus in a similar way to something like rabbit calice or myxomatosis virus, which only affects carp, and the science is well and truly proven at that. So what happens, and it's still going through a testing phase, you put this virus into the water and it'll kill carp as long as the temperature is between, say, uh, 20 and 30 degrees, something that's sort of rough around the edges. Every carp that comes in contact with the disease or the virus will probably die. Yep. Um, We think, and it's quite an interesting thing, carp have been around for about since the early 80s, I think, from a a farm down in Gippsland Way, and they were released through all sorts of issues, which probably don't have time to talk about today. Uh, Yep. Um, carp have are now part of the food chain for a lot of fish. Carp also do a, oh, they're bad. There's no doubt they're bad. Let me just make sure we state that. Carp also do a great job of controlling another introduced fish called redfin because they eat the red the redfin eggs. Yes. Since carp were introduced in the 80s, the number of redfin has declined dramatically. And it's allowed native fish to become common again through the Murray-Darling system and a lot of other areas because of the lack of redfin. Right. So it's going to be a really interesting thing to see when we start trying to control these carp with these with this virus, what's going to happen to the whole ecosystem. Absolutely. No, we good. have some concerns that it may go back to a redfin-dominated ecosystem. Right. To the detriment of carp. So time will tell. To the detriment of native fish, sorry. Yes, so we're killing Paul to help Peter, but who's going to end up winning in the long run is what we have concerns about, I suppose. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. And for our uh, listeners, um, Redfin, also known as English Perch, yeah, a, a really bona fide predator. They breed earlier than our native fish, so they're the young of the year, eat the young of the year of the native fish. They also spread diseases which can affect native fish. That's right. Really, yeah, just eat everything that moves almost. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be a... It's a I mean, it's got to, we've got to get rid of carp. There's no doubt because they're bad for our waterways and they take up a lot of biomass and um, push other native fish to other sort of areas where they probably habitat where they're not really suited to. So it's got to be a good thing, but we need to make sure that we have, when we get this virus out into the environment, that we have strategies to make sure that we can, that native fish benefit in the long run. Absolutely. I think that's the bottom line, yeah. Very good. So it's quite an interesting debate still going on. Yeah, mm. yeah, excellent. Mm. Um, the other big development uh, mm. just recently, Tim, was uh, the barramundi in uh, being stocked into Hazelwood yeah. Pondage. Can you tell us a bit about oh, that? This has been um, a thing that's uh, sort of been pushed by a number of guys for probably 15 years. 
There was a reasonable proposal probably about 15 years ago to put some Murray cod into Hazelwood because, sorry, a bit of background, Hazelwood is the cooling tower for the Hazelwood um, electricity generating plant yep. and the water, it's a cooling um, lake, so to speak, Big and the water is much warmer. Station. It's a 25 to 28 degrees daily, so it can support warm water fish. Yep. Um, after 10 or 15 years of lobbying, government finally agreed under Target 1 million to put to trial stocking barramundi, which is a tropical fish, into there and to see how they go, how they survive, if they stay in the waterway, which they will, there's nowhere for them to go, and if they grow really well. Um, so at the moment, they've put in a couple of hundred and they've actually got some where they're tracking using little tags, which they send out a little beep and they go past and they can actually follow the barramundi around the lake to see where they're actually going. I believe the um, results to date are pretty good. They seem to be growing pretty well. Another good, th putting these barramundi into hazel is really good because it's full of other feral fish like tilapia and all sorts of other fish which shouldn't be there at all when they're only surviving again because of the warm temperatures. Yeah, right, right. So the barramundi, one of the um, ideas of putting barramundi in there is to hopefully um, target or control some of these feral fish. Absolutely, yep. That's um uh, yeah it's a very interesting topic. Um, it's one that we've I've had a bit to do with actually mm. the um, mainstream aquaculture who are the suppliers of the barramundi no. for uh, for Hazelwood Pondage and uh, they're a wonderful commercial enterprise located in Werribee and right. it's a very interesting. I mean, oh, wow. talk about uh, location, location, location. They've set up this uh, farm that produces about a recirculating aquaculture system that churns out about 150 ton of barramundi a year uh, with a view to expanding that capacity. Oh, wow. um, and they're pulling water up from a Geothe mm -hmm. geothermal bore so their site selection was absolutely A1 they knew mm. what they were doing they've got a full board of directors they're a really professionally run company and it's a great thing to see someone in the aquaculture industry mm. really kicking goals because it unfortunately can be a pretty easy industry to burn your fingers with but mm. their uh, water's coming out of the ground uh, at the aforementioned temperature of about 28 degrees so oh, it's wow. absolutely perfect for don't, the Barramundi they're doing that too. Portland way as well or somewhere down in the yes, western uh, district out in or... the, yeah yeah there's uh, there's Row Barra which yeah. is over in South Australia, yeah, yeah out towards Roadway. Mm. So there's, uh, yeah, there's quite a few uh, recirculating enterprises. The beauty of those being that you can uh, regulate everything. You've got mm. ultimate control. Mm. And I'll actually be dropping into our uh, facility at uh, Melbourne Polytechnic this afternoon just to make sure the fish are uh, all doing the right things oh, and nice. happy. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things that's uh, high-intensity farming. So we've got an alarm system to tell us if anything goes wrong like it did nice. a couple of weeks ago, uh, 6.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning. We got the flow off and then flow oh, come wow. back on. But we think, oh, well... I'm just a bit worried to go back to sleep, so we better just check it. Mm. You know, thankfully it's, all good. Just getting back to the barrow, we find it quite interesting that government's promoting these non-indigenous native fish, and we reckon that. Well, I think it's a good idea. It's good boutique fishery. We have concerns that Hazelwood's probably going to be closed down at some stage soon. Lots and lots of politics, yeah. and then what's going to happen to all the fish that are stocked in there? Yep, they won't survive. They may, well, they'll survive, but they won't do very well. Yep. So yeah, it's quite interesting. We yeah. Quite interesting, interesting sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good. I mean, we're promoting fishing. Everyone, the government's pretty keen to get more and more people fishing, and this is possibly a way to do it. Yep. Hence the hence the target one million. Yeah. 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 I personally like barramundi fishing in barramundi waters where it's nice and warm, and you see crocodiles. It's much more interesting than going to some little pond down at Gippsland. But yeah. Yeah. Ah, there you go. There's also some concerns of the heavy metal that's come out of the heavy metals that have come out of the electricity plant. Yes. Yep. Whether they're going to bioaccumulate into the barramundi, making them not suitable to eat. Right, right. 
And yeah. there, there has been quite a bit of work, in my understanding, in the past about heavy metals in Hazelwood, and it's quite a problem. Absolutely, yes. That's my understanding. I don't know exactly, but certainly in the past, the Murray Cod I mentioned earlier weren't stocked due to heavy metal issues. Yes, yeah. yeah. So. That's, that is going to be one to look out for. And I think from, yes, we did have a couple of uh, students from Melbourne Polytechnic exploring that as part of their third year research oh, project, right. sort of su suggesting that the Barramundi might have been, uh, you know, uh, a, a bit problematic in that area. But um, but that they were sort of certainly behind the idea. But we're, how safe they are to eat is another, uh, another question entirely. That's and you won't be able to stop people once you open it to fishing. Yeah. You can't say catch and release only because it, yeah, it's just, bit, I would assume it'd be pretty impossible to regulate. Dicey, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Now they get to uh, quite a large size, mm. the, uh, the Barramundi. Have you oh, ever felt while, while you've been out there fishing, Tim, that you've ever needed a, a larger vessel, a bigger boat when you've been out there? I wouldn't that's mind a, a bit bigger of, boat. Yeah, it wouldn't, a, won't fit in a, my garage. That's a anything. bit of a segue into our next song here by sure. John Williams. I'm just going to let this one rip, and uh, some of you will be more than familiar with the uh, the movie this one's from. You're on 3CR Community Radio, Out of the Blue. My name's Andrew Christie from Melbourne Polytechnic and Marine Care Point Cook. And I'm joined in the studio today by Tim Kermy from Native Fish Australia. Uh, Tim, um, what else have we got lined up for the rest of the show? Oh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about actually what we do as an organisation, just briefly, and then talk about some of the, our activities we're actually doing currently. I thought it might be a good way to finish up. Excellent. So we have our monthly meeting. We have a monthly meeting at the Wildlife Sanctuary at La Trobe Uni in Bundura. We often have guest speakers talking about fishy issues or conservation issues or every now and again about angling issues. We had a guy, a lure maker, come in once to show us how they made lures because a lot of that are sort of interest, but more conservation sort of minded sort of things. Um, so that's on the first Wednesday of every month and yep. I usually advertise that on Facebook and we're just getting a website developed at the moment to sort of get out and about. And uh, apologies for putting you on the spot there with that quip about the bigger boat yeah. right as well. That was <laughs> the no uh, idea that, that song about. was, uh, that was uh, of course, John Williams from uh, from the Jaws soundtrack effectively. So it was a little bit yeah. different today. I thought we'd uh, put something on like that. Um, some of the other things that we're heavily involved in, we have a little fish hatchery where we breed Macquarie Perch at La Trobe Uni. At the moment we're going through getting the required permits, which is things like ethics permits and permits to take the fish out of the wild, which all takes time, especially as we're volunteers. Yep. So what we intend to do is actually breed Macquarie perch again to put back into the wild to try and get more populations up and running, maybe put some into the Ovens River around Borali or somewhere in northeast Victoria, put some into the back into the Yarra as well. And by doing that, hopefully we can get a bit of community involvement, get people ownership of the fish, but also get Fisheries Victoria to also breed them again. They're not doing a very good job at the moment. All right. Through a number of reasons, their breeding techniques haven't working as well as what they possibly could. Okay. That's a bit outside my understanding, but certainly they didn't breed all that many last year from my understanding. Right, right. So hopefully we can help them and work together with them to make Macquarie Perch back again where they need to be. Yeah, okay. Um. One of the other things we've been involved in quite a lot is um, on Hughes's Creek, we're doing quite a lot of habitat habitat work. Hughes's Creek is a, a, a little creek that runs sort of through the back of Seymour down to Avenal. You probably crossed it if you ever go over the Hume Highway. Right. And I think it ended up going into the Goulburn somewhere. Within the creek, there's a remnant population of Macquarie Perch, which right. we're really keen to protect, protect and promote. Uh, okay. Obviously, we don't want people to go and catch and kill them, but we want to try and make that population stable and grow and become a viable population for the future and maybe go back into the Goulburn and get bigger and better. So what we've been doing on a couple of monthly, along with the Goulburn Broken CMA and the girl, Christine, there, who's been fantastic, 
is we went oh, a couple of months ago and actually put habitat within the creek. So actually put some timber out of the uh, around the sides with a big tractor and put it in there to provide habitat for the fish and create holes. There's a lot of sand through the creek, so we were pretty keen to try and move the sand to allow fish to have some holes to live in. Right. We also went up there the Friday before last and actually did a heap of tree planting as a group. So we planted oh, a few hundred, maybe up to a thousand trees along the edge. Wow. And also some in-stream habitat to try and stop sand where it is to stop it moving down through the habitat for the Macquarie perch. Right. Yep. So we're really keen on sort of doing more of that and we've sort of half adopted Hughes's Creek as a creek that we really want to be associated with because of the Macquarie perch. There's also been stocking of trout caught in there in the past, but I'm pretty sure there's none left now through all sorts of reasons. But So we're pretty keen to work pretty closely with the CMA there to sort of, and with the local land care group as well, and sort of have a combined effort to make sure Macquarie Perch and Hughes's Creek last forever. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It's yep. a fantastic story, and we're sort of slowly working on that. It's a bit of a trial, I suppose, at the moment, but I can't see why wouldn't get bigger and better and we could go there on a monthly basis and plant trees or do something within the creek to promote it or try and get rid of some of the carp out of the creek on a um, sort of monthly basis all sorts of activities around that not so much angling but again trying to give back to the environment because yeah. we and oh, it sounds like a super initiative yeah. all those bases that you're covering the the sand yeah. spits getting rid of those or balancing yeah. that out putting in the riparian vegetation yeah. absolutely critical that's Pro yeah, probably fantastic. run a catch a carp day up there as well to nice. try and get kids involved in the the creek as well oh great and teach them about how important macquarie perch are how important habitat is and that sort of stuff and it should sort of work out pretty well oh very good yeah. Very good. That's one of those things we might have to get involved in at Melbourne Poly. We're always, Melbourne Polytechnic, we're always keen to, uh, as part of one of our um, applied finfish aquaculture subjects, get a whole bunch of carp and slice them open. And I still remember vividly one that I picked up from Preston Market. It was only going for three bucks a kilo. It did cost me 21 bucks though, because she was seven <laughs> kilos. Sliced her open and she was a, basically a swimming egg factory. Uh, at about, least a million eggs. Oh, there was. There was. We calculated it was somewhere between about 950,000 and about 1.1 million. That was just absolutely Absolutely incredible. So, yeah, you're right on the money there, Tim. Talking yeah. back on carp, it's a real pity that we don't value them because they're a really good eating source through Asia into Europe. Yeah. They're the main... It's yep. just a pity that they've been... I mean, they're bad for our environment. Don't misunderstand me. But if we valued them, maybe we could manage them better instead of just wanting to kill them all. Absolutely. And manage them in some waterways so that we could use them yep. rather than just go out and kill them and dig holes and bury them all sort of thing, which is, is such a waste. Yeah, this is true. And the interesting thing too was that uh, at work once we got a uh, carp and smoked it up. Uh, we, right. we thought, well, I wonder what this is going to taste like. So we knocked the uh, fillets off the carp, popped them in the smoker, uh, let them sit there. I think it was Tasmanian oak or something that oh, we nice. use. And I tell you what, if we went out into the street with those carp fillets and said, taste this, what do you think it is? No one would have picked carp. It was, it was quite good. It was <laughs> really, really surprising. Because yeah. we've got that cultural prejudice in this country where yeah. we're told, oh, it's absolutely dreadful and the thing with carp is they can get a very muddy earthy taint to them as well so but you can treat them you can put, yeah. i mean the europeans leave them in a bath for a few days to try and or a week and then soak the fillets in milk or vinegar or something and they come out really nice that's right that's it that's it there. Okay, well, that's uh, thanks yeah. very much for coming into the studio today, Tim. You already run out of time. We well, certainly have just a ghost pick, doesn't it, mate? Yeah, exactly <laughs> right, I can tell. No, we'll get you in uh, again uh, again sometime soon, Tim. Yeah. Okay, so thanks very much for coming in, and uh, stay tuned now for Out of the